The reading is from Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a name for being alive. But you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is at the point of death. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Obey it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Yet you still have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. If you conquer, you will be clothed like them in white robes and I will not blot your name out of the book of life. I will confess your name before my Father and before his angels. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let's pray together. Let anyone who has ears Hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. Heavenly Father, by your Spirit, may you enable each and every one of us to hear what you have to say to us this evening, collectively and individually. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. My name's Simon Oakridge. I'm the new curate here. Last week, if you were here, Howard said he was new, and he's been here four years. And I've been here four weeks, and I definitely feel new. So if I've not said hello, it's lovely to meet you, and hopefully we can say hello afterwards. Many years ago, when I used to live in Sheffield, I played rugby for Sheffield Tigers. And there was a particular Saturday morning at 10 o'clock when I was meant to be picked up before playing rugby in Doncaster. My good friend, also called Simon, was going to pick me up. I lived in Graham Road in Ranmore. You might know the road. 10 o'clock came. Simon rang my mobile. He was outside. There was no answer. Simon came to the back of the house, knocked on the door, and there was no answer. Simon then opened the door, security's good in Ranmore, and he shouted my name. And there was still no answer. Simon came up the stairs, shouted my name louder, and there was still no answer. Simon very politely knocked on my door and called my name. There was still no answer. Finally, Simon entered the room, meters from my very face, shouted in my face at 10 o'clock that Saturday morning and said to me, wake up! Finally, begrudgingly but thankfully, I woke up and we eventually made it to the rugby match in Doncaster and I just about played a game but not very well from what I remember. If you turn in your Bibles, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, 
we have the letter to the church in Sardis. Revelation chapter 3, page 244. In verse 2, the risen reigning Lord Jesus says these words, the very same words Simon said to me all those years ago before that rugby match. Jesus says to the church, wake up. Wake up. Here's my alarm clock. My parents-in-law very kindly brought it because I forgot it earlier. This is what wakes Rebecca and I up every morning if it's not Rosanna, when she's crying. I hate to show you an alarm clock on a Sunday evening before Monday morning comes, but I'm told that 72% of working Britons wake up each morning in the week to an alarm clock. It might be the mobile phone nowadays. It might be, if you're lucky, the smell and taste of a cup of tea. It might be a loved one. It might be the old-fashioned alarm clock. But tonight, the risen Lord Jesus' words to the church in Sardis, and therefore to the church here at All Saints, is verse 2, wake up. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is at the point of death. I, I like to picture Jesus here as a, as a good Yorkshire man or Yorkshire lass. One of the great things that's famous for people in Yorkshire is they say it as it is, don't they? They tell you the truth. They tell it straight. Jesus doesn't mix his words here. He tells the church in Sardis, wake up. Have a look at the top of verse 2, just before verse 1. Jesus says to the church, I know your works. You have a name for being alive. You think that sounds good, doesn't it? They have a name for being alive. This great ancient city in Sardis, you can go to it today, it's in modern-day Turkey. Apparently it was the ancient capital of the kingdom of Lydia. But by the time this letter was written, politically, socially, they were a small and crumbling place now. Jesus says to them, I know your works, you have a name for being alive. So far, so good. But you are dead. Look around at the monuments to the people on our walls here. It's as though the risen Jesus says to the congregation in Sardis, to the people who are living, actually, you're like the names on the walls, like Edward Greaves, Thomas Ellen, Reverend Edward Newman. You're dead. Now, the question is, what on earth is this church doing? What's it like for it to be called dead? Well, have a look down. Verse 2, Jesus says, Wake up and strengthen what remains, and is at the point of death. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. By the sounds of it, this word perfect, it could make it sound like Jesus was expecting perfection. They weren't perfect, and therefore he's saying to wake up. But that's not the point. The word perfect here is more about being complete. They haven't finished what their faith is meant to do. They're not accompanying their faith with works. Have a look down verse 3. Jesus says to them, Remember then what you received and heard. Obey it and repent. In those few short verses, verse 2 and verse 3, there are five commands. The command to wake up, the command to strengthen what remains in verse 2. In verse 3, the command to remember. In verse 3, the command to obey it. And the command to repent. So this sleepy church in Sardis, presumably, was hearing the words of Jesus week after week, 
but it wasn't doing anything with them. It wasn't repenting. If you were here this morning, you heard um, Will at 11 o'clock and Roland at 9.15, you were hearing brilliant explanations of the call of God always for us to turn from where we are to him. And the people then weren't doing it. In fact, not all the people. Do you see verse 4, what Jesus says? Yet you still have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. That's probably the last clue we get about what the problem in Sardis was. The people whose clothes were polluted, presumably the way they lived was so impacted and affected by those around them that they looked just like everyone else. Their clothes were soiled. It's a sort of expression from the temple. When they went there, they were dirty. They should have been clean. Jesus had made them clean. But their actions and their lives now were unclean. And so I want us to think about this command of Jesus to wake up. Difficult on a Sunday hot evening here in Sheffield. But I want us to think about it in four different ways. And almost as it were, to take the alarm clock of Jesus' words and think about it together under these four different topics. And it may be that some of us actually are in more than one category. I think inevitably we will be. But to think about what it means for us today to hear these words of Jesus, to wake up. And the first group I want to speak to is those who are awake. And that, I'm sure, is many of us. One of the great joys for Rebecca and I in being here four weeks is to see your lives and your love. I might not yet not know your strap line, but it's something like loving God, living faith, sharing life. Something like that. You'll have to correct me later. And we've seen lots of examples of that together. And let me say, as a newly ordained Christian minister... It's especially encouraging to see those here at All Saints who have been Christians for many, many, many years. As someone who in some ways still likes to think of themselves as young, it's very encouraging to see those who have been awake for decades and decades. You are an incredible example to me. You are an example to Rebecca. You are an example to each and every person in this congregation who is younger than you who models what it's like to be awake, to listen to Jesus' words, and not just hear them, but to do something about it, to show what it means for the Spirit of God to be alive and at work in your life. So let me say thank you. And those of us who are younger who are awake, well, good on you. This is what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to live life to the full and to be awake to all that God is doing in the world. And so firstly, to those who are awake, it's an encouragement from Jesus. Do you see what the encouragement is? End of verse 4, Jesus says, To those who are awake, they will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. I was thinking about those words, they will walk with me. Of course, that's what we were made for in the garden, isn't it? To walk with God, hand in hand. And to be dressed in white, well, that's a symbol of, of righteousness, of purity, of being cleansed, of knowing that we are loved and washed all our sins, all our shame forgiven. And do you see what Jesus goes on to say? Verse 5, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. In Sardis, they had a name for being awake, but were dead. But Jesus says, look, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. Literally, no, no, surely not. I will definitely not blot your name out. Isn't that amazing? Some of you will know that I'm struggling with names here at All Saints. There's quite a lot of you. 
How precious to know that Jesus knows you by name. He knows your name this evening. And what did he say to you? I will never, ever blot your name out of the only book that matters. That you are now and forever his. Loved and your father's. So that's the first group. The second group I'd like to speak to isn't those who are awake, but it's actually all of us as a church family here at All Saints today. Because today is a particularly unique day in the life of the church because you have had three new clergy members introduced in the last few weeks. The third one arrived today. Some of you were at lunch outside with Godfrey and Roland and myself. And so this call of Jesus to wake up has a particular resonance for us as a church family to now together wake up to whatever it is the Lord will be leading us to in these days ahead. And I know Mark is a great believer of every member ministry, so three new clergy members is great, but actually it's all about you. And it's all about us. And it's all about what God will call us to as we wake up together. And so let me say, please be making the most of that. Be praying for this church and seeing what God will come and do amongst us in this new life stage. And let me say, I'm new here, so I don't know who's not here. But you do. If you've been here for long, you know the people who aren't here. And let me tell you, they're not going to tell you tomorrow that they are spiritually asleep. Of course, they might not be. But if they are spiritually asleep, they are not going to text you and say, I'm spiritually asleep, I'm in danger of not waking up. Can you help me? They're not going to say that. When I was sleeping and Simon was trying to wake me up, I needed all the help I could get. And so let me ask you in this moment now to take a moment and think, who is not here? Who have you not seen for weeks and weeks, for months, perhaps years? Think about that person, that family now. And in the silence, pray for them that they will wake up. You don't know if they're asleep. I'm not suggesting they definitely are, but they're not here amongst the people of God in this place. And let me encourage you to be the answer to your own prayer. I remember a letter my own father wrote to me when I was at university. He didn't say the words, wake up, but he may as well have done. And for me, the mixture of that letter, the prayers of my own parents, and a particular sermon I heard helped me to wake up. I was a Christian, but I'd fallen asleep. May you be the answer to that prayer for those that you know and have named before God this evening. So this command to wake up, firstly, it's a, it's a word for those who are awake. Secondly, it's a word for the whole church family in this new stage together. And thirdly, a word for those who are tired. It's a hot evening. It's the end of the summer. Many of us might have holidays to come. All of us have lived through the last two years of COVID. And so the word wake up could sound a little bit uncomfortable. I know Rebecca is less of a morning person than me, so I've had to learn over the years to be a little bit more calm in my wake-ups in the morning. And now I have a daughter who gives me less of a chance to gently wake up. 
When you're tired, sometimes the last thing you want to hear is someone saying to you or shouting to you, wake up. And so let me say, if you're tired physically, if you're tired spiritually, if you're tired emotionally, if you're tired mentally, then perhaps the ancient story of Elijah is medicine for you. Do you remember the story, 1 Kings 19? He's exhausted. He he actually prays to God, can I die? And God says to him, have some food, have some sleep, and have some exercise. It ends up being 40 days of exercise. I'm not sure that's very sensible at any time. Never mind in this heat. But you get the point. When we hear the word wake up, some of us are just exhausted. Maybe you've been serving so hard for years and you're tired. Well, maybe it is time for a break from some things or the holiday that's coming or the chance to visit and meet with a doctor for help. So the call to wake up, the call... For those who are awake, the call for us all as a church family, the call to those who are tired, and finally, and last but not least, to those who are asleep. I wouldn't be faithful to the very words of Jesus this evening if I didn't speak to those who are actually in the same situation as Sardis, sleeping spiritually. Perhaps it's only this evening that you begin to realize you are spiritually sleeping. Perhaps even those nearest and dearest to you don't know you're spiritually sleeping. But you know, as you hear the words of Jesus week in, week out here, you're not changing. You're not turning to him. And you know how much you're affected by those around you. So much so that there's little difference between you and others. And so what does Jesus say? Have a look down, end of verse 3. It's a stern word. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So the risen Lord Jesus, the greatest preacher of all time, says to those of us who are asleep this evening, wake up. Wake up! And he says, I will come to you. And so may that be a word of warning and admonition for those who need to hear. What a kind God who tells us to wake up. Someone said that actually every warning in the Bible is good news. Why? Firstly, because there's chance to turn back. And secondly, because God still wants us. He's the God of the second chance, and the third chance, and the fourth, and the fifth. Isn't that amazing? And so the words to wake up. And wherever we find ourselves in those four categories this evening, we're inevitably in more than one, because the second one was to the family of all saints, which includes all of us. The call of Jesus is to wake up. Wake up to all that he has for us, individually and together. Verse 6, let anyone who has an ear to listen hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. A moment's quiet to pause, pray, and then I'll leave us.